Listening Dog Media. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Offside Room World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. I'm Hayley McQueen. Today, Colombia beat Jamaica to set up a quarter-final against England. We now know who England are playing. And France secured the last quarter-final spot with the win over Morocco. I am with two brilliant WSL and ex-England footballers. It is Natasha Dowie and Jade Moore. Hello to you both. Hi, Hayley. You okay? Hi, Hayley. But it feels nice to be on together, seeing each other as well. I've had a bit of a preamble chat there and I'm sure plenty to catch up on as well, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yes, plenty. We'll leave that till after the pod, though. <laughs> yeah, it's too much, too much to catch up on. It's true. It's true. But goodness me, what a day we've had. Lots to discuss in terms of football in the World Cup. And we're just going to get straight in today's action, aren't we? Starting with Jamaica against Colombia. Well, neither team had ever reached a World Cup quarterfinal and it was Colombia that took that historic spot in the next round with a 1-0 win over Jamaica in Melbourne. A pinpoint cross from Anna Guzman found captain Catalina Usme in the box who sent it into the back of the net. Oh, goodness me. It's been quite the story, hasn't it, Jamaica? But they are out, a few broken hearts, but they've got to hold their heads high. But how do you think they're going to be feeling after this performance in particular, Natasha? Yeah, I think deep down they should be proud, but I also think they will be a little bit disappointed. I think they've they've missed missed an opportunity here, a big opportunity. I had them as favourites to progress in this in this game. I thought their form was a lot stronger. I think they had individually better players playing in the top leagues with the likes of Bunny Shaw. I think Drew Spence has been incredible. Becky Spencer keeping clean sheets. You know, they had some key players. But today, unfortunately, those key players didn't turn up, you know, just couldn't find the form that they've shown in the knockout stages. 
Um, I think it was heavily through Drew Spence in midfield that a lot of their play has been so strong and she just couldn't find that form today. And I think Bunny Shaw was really isolated. Um, you know, pretty much every time she got the ball, she was tripled up and and it was a frustrated figure throughout. And I think really that mm. was why they lost the game today is because Colombia used their key players in Casado and in Ramirez. You know, them two were the, the standout players today. And I think really then that's why they've won the game. I just want to pick up on 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 Bunny Shaw there from from Tash and and throw that one to you, Jade. But what did you make of the performance? Do you think we would have seen a little bit more from her? But she was almost sort of feeding off scraps, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. She was really isolated. They did double up, triple up on her, which obviously credit to them. It's really difficult when you're a lone striker and when you're playing in a really defensive shape. You have to get bodies around the ball. You have to get bodies up to support her. And today they just didn't do that. Bunny Shaw's so used to playing in the Man City team that they have runners, they have numbers, they keep the ball really well and they build the ball up the pitch, you know, in, in progressive style. Whereas that didn't happen today and she didn't look nowhere near her best throughout this tournament. Was the difference, I guess, Tash, in how the teams, I guess, used their big number nines in the contrast yeah, there? Absolutely. That's something, yeah, as a striker, you always look at the forwards throughout the tournament. I love to kind of see the next superstars coming on. And today, Ramirez, for me, was someone that, you know, I've been impressed by her throughout the tournament, but just her hold-up play, the way that, you know, she could roll defenders, she, she gained territory, she gained ground for her team. And her work rate off the ball as well. I think later on in the game, you saw her almost in that kind of right back role, doing that defensive role for the team as well. And yes, she didn't get her goal today, but actually there was so much more to her play that I was impressed with. You know, everyone's been talking about Casado and she's been kind of the star player for Colombia this tournament. And a lot of then the attention goes on her. But actually, I think if they are going to progress, Ramirez is going to be the key player for that. And kind of that authority that she has up front so yeah I think for me that is where they won this game they utilize their key players their star players they play to their strengths when Ramirez got the ball they supported her they got around her and then that that was a complete opposite for Bunny Shaw Bunny Shaw for me is a world-class player but she can't do it on her own and I think that's where probably Jamaica yeah didn't help her today what about Colombia and that that goal, Jade? And it was it was youngsters who were stepping up, wasn't it? In this this game in particular, that quality cross from Guzman on her first World Cup start, and what a way to start filling in for the suspended Manuela Venegas, of course. And it's actually the first goal that Jamaica have conceded at the World Cup. Yeah, it was an amazing goal. I think you know, given how Jamaica have set up their narrow defending shape, Colombia come out and exploited that very early on from the first half. They switched the play progressively. They switched it in one one ball from a throw-in and they exploited their narrow narrow formation at the back four. Her touch was impeccable to obviously put her into that safe space and then all she had to do then was be composed, finish the ball, left Becky Spencer stranded. She could do nothing about it. An unbelievable goal, an unbelievable finish. Talking of unbelievable, it was an unbelievable story, wasn't it? Jamaica and all that's gone on in their camp with their nation and really kind of showing everybody what you can do when you come together with that team spirit and that unity. Unfortunately, it only took them so far, Tasha, but they're the first Caribbean nation to play in the knockout stages of a World Cup, men or women, since Cuba in 1938. So there's a lot to be proud of, isn't there, for this Jamaican side? And you kind of wonder what what the future holds now for Jamaican women's football. 
they need to invest now even more so to allow this team to to go on and keep achieving what they've done so far in this World Cup. And I think the most exciting thing is that a lot of these players will get picked up by bigger teams now. And I think that's the great mm-hmm. thing. And that's why these smaller nations are catching up with the top nations now is because their players are moving over to Europe, playing in the big big teams, playing domestically week in, week out against some of the better players. And then they take that form onto the international scene. And so if you look at these Jamaican players, I'm guilty of it. You know, we we don't get to see them play enough. And, and I think there's going to be a, a good handful more of those players now playing in the leagues. And But then the federation need to help them. You know, you hear the stories and, and the stories you've been hearing. It's it's not OK, you know, some of the stuff that's mm-hmm. been going on. And, and credit to them that actually they've carried on and they've played because a lot of people might not have done that. But yeah, credit to them. I really do think this is going to kick them on now and the federation needs to put more money into it and allow these girls, you know, to perform at the top level. I listened to something earlier and it said the impact is often greater than the game. And I think this Jamaican team have done their country proud and the tournament they will remember. So I'm really looking forward to what the future holds for this nation. Yeah, that's a very, very clever way of putting it, isn't it? And and I'm sure there's lots to come from a Jamaica and the individuals are, I think, going to be working their way over to, to play in Europe, maybe even WSL as well. But I tell you what, you wonder how far Colombia are going to go in this one. So they are going to be playing England next. So it's a quarterfinal matchup. And we had a poll on Twitter, didn't we? We asked who you would rather England face. This was before the game. 65% said Jamaica. So, yeah. Listener Kaz as well asks, how do you think England will approach Colombia? So I guess one f- f- for both of you, Natasha, first. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I think England are, are heavy favourites going into this game. There's no denying that. But I think the way this World Cup has gone, if you don't come with a 100% mindset, you're going to slip up. And you can see that already with the big guns, USA, Germany, Canada, Brazil, You know, mm-hmm. four of the top nations already out. You know, I don't think anyone predicted the way this World Cup was going to go. And Colombia, you know, they just keep making history. You know, they're in great form. They've only lost one game this whole World Cup. And really, that's because they'd already qualified anyway into the knockout stages. So probably they took their foot off the gas a little bit. But they're going to be full of confidence going up against this England team, especially having lost Lauren James now, one of England's Mm. key players. I think that will buoy them a lot. But if England turn up and everyone performs at their maximum, in my opinion, it should be a win for England and you should see them progressing through. Do you think Colombia, though, Jade, have the, I guess it's the underdog story, isn't it, again? Because it's the first time they have reached the last eight of of the Women's Cup. So less pressure on them, you know, to get through as opposed to, to England, who will have all the pressure now. Yeah, and I think they'll capitalise on that. They'll make the game ugly. They'll make it scrappy. They'll have willing runners. They'll make it really difficult. But I'm hoping now as an England player that they've had they've faced that already in this tournament. So they'll be ready for that challenge. And for me, this England team just have to concentrate on themselves. If they play with a rhythm, play with speed and capitalise on the moments and the momentum when we have it, we should be fine in this game. But if we do fall back into that trap, we will struggle again. No, that's key as well, because if you watch the game today... Colombia, they're so streetwise. You know, they do the the cheeky, almost naughty little fouls mm. that maybe the ref doesn't see. You know, the little tugs on the shirt, maybe the little the scrape down. The, yeah, the, it is. And, 
And it's not nice to play against. And I think they'll be definitely going into that game against England saying, look, no disrespect to Colombia, but if they're going to get anything out of this game, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to basically slow down England's momentum like Jade spoke about and make it as ugly as possible and then hope maybe to catch them on a set piece or, you know, a counter kind of play. And England, like Jade said again, need to not fall into that trap of getting caught in that kind of uh, game or tactics that Colombia will want to play. And speaking of England, there's a bit more fallout. We've, we've got to just touch on this yet again, the Lauren James red cards, because England have now put out a statement saying Lauren is really sorry for her actions, which led to the red card and is full of remorse. It is wholly out of character for her. We will be supporting Lauren throughout and will be putting forward representation on her behalf. And um, Lauren herself has actually taken to uh, Twitter and she's tweeted Michelle Elosi um, saying, all my love and respect to you. I'm sorry for what happened. Also, for our England fans and my teammates, playing with and for you is my greatest honour. And I promise to learn from my experience. At the time of this recording, there's no decision yet on how long the ban will be. Just want to get your reaction to it all, Tash, and what, what you made mm-hmm. of the, I guess, just the whole situation. It's so unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah, firstly, credit to Elosi for putting out that tweet because I almost think that, not that it makes the situation any less, but she didn't have to do that. And then it allows uh, Lauren James to kind of react to that and, and say her apologies. You know, it's it's disappointing, isn't it? Because she has been the star player in this England team and has lit the World Cup on fire. And you want to see the best players playing in these knockout rounds. So to see her get that red card and potentially now miss the rest of the World Cup you know, as an England fan, but also just as a football fan, it's, that is, I guess, the hardest thing. And look, I don't know Lauren personally. So, you know, if Serena Vigman says that's out of her character, then you have to trust that. But this is going to be the biggest learning curve and learning lesson of her football career. And it's a hard one to learn. But we've all been there and had to learn these hard lessons in life. But again, she is going to be for the next 10, 15 years, one of the key players and superstars for England mm-hmm. and in the WSL. You know, she She's got the potential, I said earlier, to go on and be one of, if not the best in the world. So, yeah, the girls, I'm sure, are getting around her. She seems to have been getting, you know, a lot of support as well from back home and with the media side mm-hmm. of things. And, and hopefully she does learn from this and, and it matures her as a player and, and pushes her on. Yeah, and the best players are the ones that play on the knife edge, the ones that have that ability to push their threshold of their limits I think the difference is now is obviously she has to learn where her threshold reaches the limit and come away from that. I think there was moments in the game where she could have pulled herself away from that situation and gone and found more space, gone and taken herself away from that. And that's something that she'll learn from. But like you say, when it is in these pressurised moments, these are the things that make you know make you a better person and a better player moving forward. We've had these moments, me and Tasha's players, and you learn from them. But unfortunately for her, she's had to do it on the biggest Mm. stage with all this media attention surrounded by it. And I think the only thing right now that will stop this attention is if England go on and win this Mm. tournament. Because if not, it'll be something that's spoken about for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. We can hope that we'll put it to bed, learn from the lesson and I guess just move on. Well, England and Colombia, as we now know, will be joined in the quarterfinal by France. Hi, I'm Esme Morgan and you're listening to The Offside Rule with Sky Sports. So France cruised to a 4-0 win over Morocco in Adelaide Le Bleu with 3-0 up after just 23 minutes, thanks to Daini, Kenzadali and Eugenie Le Sommer, who added another in the second half to make sure they sealed the win. So, goodness me, 
was a bit of a rout, I guess, just just overall thoughts, Tash, on just the game in general. Yeah, I think, what, three goals in eight minutes and you thought, oof, this is going to be a heavy scoreline, which you don't want to see at this stage of the World Cup because these games should be tight games. But credit to Morocco, actually, they regrouped and were a lot stronger and harder to break down in the second half. Was that because the game was already won and maybe France took their foot off the gas a little bit? But for me, France seemed to be finding form at the right time. And this French team looked tighter and more of a unit than I've ever seen. You know, France, we all know, have the best players in the world, but they always fall short when it comes to the kind of quarterfinals or big tournaments and have never, you know, won that elusive trophy but this year, something feels different in this French team. And I think that the likes of Diani, Les Sommer, they complement each other so well up front. Mm. They're both in really good form, which maybe some of the, the top nations so far haven't got those strikers that are firing. These two are. And I loved as well the combination down the left side flank today with, uh, I think it was Koshawi, Basha, Les Sommer drifted over and almost overloaded that left side flank. And that's where a lot of their joy came from today. And really... When our, we had, me and Jade had her as our um, player to pick today, we thought she'd get up and score some goals. And, you know, she didn't have to break sweat today. I don't even think she crossed yeah. the halfway line for the French team, which showed how much they dominated this game. I mean, it's going to be a tasty quarterfinal against Australia, I tell you that, because mm. Australia now, to have got to where they've got to without their superstar, Sam Kerr, and now she's back. we that's going to be um, a top, top game. Yeah, goodness me, it certainly is. There's so much, though, for them to take from this game in terms of just overall positives. There was a clean sheet for goals. They just seem to have an abundance of talent. You mentioned everything down that left frank tash, and that's, I guess, what Australia are going to have to sort of go out and have a really good look at. And how do you try and break up this wonderful partnership that we're seeing? You mentioned it, Diani and Los Summer and that beautiful link-up that we saw there. It's not very often that you you kind of have that on the on an international stage. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching them two play today. They've built a really nice partnership. They haven't played too much, but um, they're linking up really well. I've really enjoyed their movement off of each other. Tash being a you know a, a nine, you always get told one dropping short, one running running a channel, and they did that all game today. But not only did they do that in behind, they did it in wide areas like to, like Tash just touched on. They drifted out wide. They created overload centrally and in wide areas. And that's what I was kind of touching on about England's performance yesterday that was lacking that rotation. And when you get that rotation right, it's so difficult to defend. And that was the difference for me with France today. Could the difference when they go up against Australia, though, not being gifted as much possession? Because they they dominated in that 75%. In fact, they actually had 15 shots overall. They were clinical, though, because of the five on target, four went in. But you don't imagine Australia are going to allow them that much possession, Tash. No, and with the crowd as well, it's almost like a 12th player. Mm. So it's going to be a real tough test. And I think their manager even said they were guilty last game against Panama of actually, when they were in cruise control, taking their foot off the gas a little bit. And like you said, it's going to be a completely different ball game against this Australian team. They have everything. They have ball players. They have players with pace. You know, they have different styles of players where they can possess the ball, but they can also have that kind of counter-attacking style of football. So they will be under the cosh for pretty much 90 minutes against Australia. But this French team do have world-class players, players that have played in big games domestically and internationally. Um, And both of these nations don't know what it tastes to actually go on to like the finals. So they're both in kind of a similar ballpark now. You know, this is Mm. 
kind of similar new territory for both of them. Um, so I couldn't, I honestly probably couldn't guess who's going to go. I probably would fancy Australia if I'm going to be completely honest, just because of that home nation, the momentum they've got now, having Kerr back and the French, they always seem to to kind of fall short in the quarterfinal periods. What do you think, Jay? Do you, do you agree with that? Do you have Australia potentially just edging it? No, I've put France should okay. be the favourites to win this on paper. <laughs> but right now, as we've discussed, it could be anyone's game. France have vulnerabilities. They've shown that in this tournament. You know, I question when they're threatened defensively. They've struggled at times. They've conceded goals. But Australia's counterattacks could cause this French team problems. And like Tash has alluded to, the home nation could cause an upset. We'll have to have a coffee on it, Jade. <laughs> Are you going Australia and I'm going France? Yeah. Deal. Okay, there we go. <laughs> well, after the match, we caught up with Moroccan journalist Amin Al Amri in Casablanca. So, hi, Amin. Thank you so much for joining us. I guess commiserations, but I do want to start on a positive because Morocco is the first Arab women's team and the only debutante as well to reach the last 16 of the World Cup. I mean, how does it feel to get this far? And are you focusing at the moment on the positives, despite obviously crashing out to France? Yeah, obviously, it's, it's a huge blow to, to lose 4-0. Uh, even if it's France, one of the favourites, uh, even if the Moroccan team reached the knockout stage for uh, its first uh, participation in the World Cup. Uh, of course, there will be disappointment and uh, we could have done better and, and all of that. But... Yeah, I'm focusing on the positive here. Uh, we're the only Arab country to qualify for the World Cup and to play the knockout stages. And we've seen some good things uh, overall in this in this team, in this mindset. I mean, coming back after losing, being thrashed the first game 6-0 is something uh, I don't think even in the men's game has, has happened before. So I think there's a lot of positivity here, especially when you look back to the process in the last five or six years in developing the women's game in Morocco. I think that that's a huge step uh, compared to what has been done in the last decades. And yeah, it's, uh, the, the future looks actually really bright. It does. We're going to chat a little bit more about the future in, in just a second. I just want to just take you back, though, and just focus on, on this World Cup your personal highlights, what have they been? I think it's the win against uh, South Korea. I, I think it's sparked something that maybe not many people were expecting and that we can actually win a World Cup game. And, and this is huge. I, I think uh, over the history, uh, it's been such a disappointment in, in the first games, uh, especially in the women's game. I, I remember the first Afghan, I think we lost 8-0, 7-0, something like that. We, we didn't even score a goal uh, in the whole three games of the group stage. I, I think it was back in 2008 or something like that. But actually being able to score a goal and to win a huge nation like South Korea, they're, they're very good in the women's game, uh, was something that sparked uh, hope, that sparked uh, dreaming and uh, that actually made people look uh, look to the future and thinking, yeah, there's there's something to do there. I mean, I was going to say, you know, to having conceded three goals in eight minutes, that was a bit of a tough blow today. Just tactically, you know, I, I'm a coach myself and I play, so I like the tactical side of things. 
Did you feel like maybe there was a bit of naivety going into this game? Do you think this Moroccan team truly believed they could beat this French team today? Because actually, after conceding the three goals, I actually think they regrouped and second half was a lot stronger performance. Do you think there'll be any regrets that maybe, you know, the way they set up first half, it almost the game was finished within, what, 25 minutes? Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, when you don't have the individualities that you have in face of France, for example, which is a great, great team, actually you go there and you back the bus. And when you do it, you do it properly, uh, especially with a team that has really wide uh, surface of playing. So what you do is you're going to go with, with five defenders, which is the most logical thing to do. And when you add to that... Uh, all the, the bad passes, all the bad choices, uh, especially in defense, you have got to concede goals. And uh, actually, I, I thought there would be uh, much more, much many goal in the first half. But I, I think the, the approach was, was erroneous, uh, especially in, in that mindset that we, we respected too much, maybe, France, especially in the first 10 or 15 minutes. And that was a huge blow to to get, especially, I guess, players like Lusomer, you don't, you don't leave any space to, to those kind of players, Salma Basha, also Karshawi. They're, they're all very good players. Especially, uh, I think everyone was really clever in giving instruction to really enlarge the surface of the game and go wide. And uh, with that weight that, uh, that happened, uh, I think the defense line, the double defense, uh, was not up to the game, especially, uh, like I said, if you don't go with a five line uh, in defense, it's going to be really hard to contain all that, uh, all those waves, actually, of uh, France's offense. Just tell us, I just want to know about the atmosphere back in, in, in Casablanca. What, what was that like during the game? Uh, it was really tense. Uh, I mean, especially in the first minutes, people were really enthusiastic of course, uh, when you get three goals in about 10 minutes, it's a huge blow and people, the enthusiasm kind of uh, dropped down, but people still were still focusing on the good things. Yeah, okay, they reached the knockout stage, which is a, which is a huge feat. And uh, yeah, people were a bit disappointed, which is uh, understandable. But uh, before the game, let me tell you something, uh, cafes in Morocco are really popular to, to, uh, you know, to broadcast games. Uh, all over the years. So today uh, I was getting my cup of coffee in the morning and people were watching uh, Colombia against uh, Jamaica and there was actually crowds in the cafes waiting for the Moroccan team to play. So this gives you uh, an idea about how this team has made it to to just uh, show itself and to just identify those players to the general public which was uh, completely, I, I don't want to say oblivion, but uh, there were many, many anonymous players uh, in this team before the African uh, Cup of Nations last year, last summer here in Morocco, that added to their popularity when reaching the final uh, in Rabat last year. And this feat in the World Cup definitely uh, made those girls in the history of Moroccan football. And for those young hijab-wearing females as well, to see somebody that looks like them on a world stage playing football in a women's team must have really, you know, felt special. And to see, you know, the next generation of, of player thinking, OK, I'm a young female, I'm living in uh, Morocco or wherever it may be. 
I could potentially go on and play football, which wasn't accepted not so long ago. We saw uh, Noalia Benzema wearing a hijab today, playing against France. I mean, hijab is banned by the French Football Federation. So it was a very special moment. Didn't cause anybody any harm or any trouble. Didn't affect the game. So I don't know why on earth you would want to ban it. In fact, it was such a positive thing to see, wasn't it? Exactly. I've been seeing footage of, of women uh, all across the Islamic world, which is much, much bigger than the Arab world, just identifying to Benzina and, and her wearing hijab and, and playing at the top level of, of world football. I think it's a very good message, but also destroying the cliches in this team, Nohela Benzina, but also the other players. I think everybody just let go of that, of that actually the, the fear of seeing women thriving and that destroyed many, many cliches about the Arab world, especially the Morocco being a patriarchal society and etc. etc. But that all that got carried away. Uh, but but this team and I think it's it's a huge example not only for Benzina but all the other players. What's next for this Moroccan team? Obviously, given the success that's happened this tournament, what's next? To be honest, I, I think there are two or three players maybe over the age of, of thirty years old. Uh, I think they're gonna maybe step aside and, and let space to the new generation. But above all, the the, the main uh, part of this group is around. 22, 23 years of, old, uh, years of age in the average. So so I think that there's future with this team. Those symbols like Islam Shabak, they now can, you know, pass the torch to to the players that are coming from uh, from new generation. There's uh, an under-20 team, there's an under-17 team that played in the World Cup in India. So obviously there's uh, grassroots work being done and that has been done since, I think, 2014, 2015, more seriously than before. So I think this team is going to be not rebuilt because the main uh, group is there, but with uh, implementing some talented players from maybe the under-20 or even under-19 or under-17 players, which get uh, more chances to play. I I think there's uh, this good future in this team with the main part of this group. Well, from myself, Tash and Jade, thank you very much, I mean. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Keep up to date with everything going on at the Women's World Cup in Australia by using the free Sky Sports app. You'll find news, interviews, live match coverage, analysis and much more. You don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Go to your app store, download it and away you go. And after the World Cup, it's the best app for WSL coverage and so much more, including F1, the Premier League, world-class boxing, international cricket and more. Remember, you don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Just search for Sky Sports in your app store. Thank you very much to Moroccan journalist Amin Al-Amri. Well, that's it for the round of 16. Let us know what you thought of all the teams in that knockout stage with the hashtag Offside WC and at Offside Rule Pod. Get involved. Next up, ones to watch. Here's producer Sophie with the updated rules for the knockout rounds. This is ones to watch from the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports, the game where you predict tomorrow's top player. So pick a player, and if they score, you'll get two points. It's one for an assist and for a clean sheet if they're a defender. A goalkeeper gets two points for a clean sheet and three for a penalty save in open play. If it goes to a penalty shootout, it's one point for scoring and a keeper gets two points for a save. 
0-0 and minus one for a red card or an own goal. We're going to be keeping tallies throughout the tournament for Kate, Lindsay, the pundits, the producers and of course the listeners. So keep track of your scores and let us know how you're getting on. You can join in any time by starting with the same amount of points as the person in last place. So pick a player and let's get started. Right, the scores are Kate, I'm hoping not to let her down, and the producers both up to 27 points, thanks to Diani. And in joint second place, it's the pundits and Lindsay both on 13 <laughs> points. Uh, because of a protest in the ranks for the next round, you can get a clean sheet point for a wing back. Because <laughs> it depends on who's playing where and whether you've gone with a defender or... yeah. It got a bit confusing, didn't it? We, we we were having a bit of an argument over the WhatsApp group, weren't we, Tash? Well, we were. I was about to pull myself out of this competition. I feel like we're, we're getting robbed every week, us pundits. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad Sophie backed me up here. And uh, definitely okay. a wingback is a defender. So that's got to okay. count. <laughs> so, so you get a point, a clean sheet point for a wingback. So there we go. Here we go. That's sorted. Yes. Right. We now have two rest days. On Friday, we'll be back for the quarterfinals, Spain play the Netherlands and Japan take on Sweden. So who are your ones to watch? I'll be filling in for Kate. One of you will have to fill in for uh, Lindsay. The other will play for the pundits. So do we think, Tash, you're going for the pundits? I'm going for the pundits. I think Jade right, will be happy with who I go for. So I'm going for Endo, the left wing back for Japan. Oh. I think she's been one of the standout players this World Cup. You know, she's already got one goal and two assists. And actually, I think Japan are not comfortably going to beat Sweden, but I think they will beat Sweden. I think I was disappointed with Sweden's last performance. I think they were lucky to progress through. But Japan have been frighteningly good. And I think she's heavily involved in everything positive that happens with this Japanese team. So I think clean sheet. I think she's going to get an assist and maybe even a cheeky goal. So, yeah, endo for me. Come on, endo. Oh, two of the best teams from the group stages, aren't they, as well? So they're going to meet in this quarterfinal as Group C winners Japan face Group G winners Sweden. And we'll see who comes out on top there. Who for you, Jade, then? Go on. So I spoke with Lindsay today and she's put all the pressure on me. She said she's doomed anyway. So we did have a we did have a quick conversation about whether we thought Japan was going to beat Sweden. Did Sweden okay. have, you know, a bit of a threat on set pieces? Mm. Is that something to look at? But we think Japan and obviously Lindsay's loving Japan style of play at the minute. So I've gone with Tanaka. Very good. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I can I can see why you've gone with her, that's for sure. Well, I just thought we've got to pick someone from the other um, head to head. This is so That's difficult. Brave. Though. Yeah, because Spain, Spain up against the Netherlands. Now, Spain is second in the Women's World Cup, okay, in terms of scoring goals. Defensively, the Netherlands are second, so they've only conceded one goal. So, can the player that I've picked, Bon Matti, get past Ooh. their defence? Okay, she's got three goals. But it's the assists I think she's going to be up there with as well. Uh, Jennifer Hermosa, I've had in the past as one of my pick, and she has got three goals and one assist. But, I mean, their goal spread's quite impressive as well. You've got Redondo also with three goals and one assist. But I just think Bon Matty for me, I just thought it's it's anybody's pick, really. Um, and uh, I feel like yeah. that game's got extra time written all over yeah, it. I agree. think... It does. Right. And who have the producers gone for? Drum roll. Jill Roard. Oof. What do you think of that, Tash? 
I mean, she's a top, top player, yeah, and she has been the star player for the Netherlands, so it's a, it's a great shout. But I just think that game is going to be so tight. I can't see many goals either, mm. so I think it's a brave decision to go with Jill Raw. But if anyone's going to score, it's going to be her for sure. Okay, so we'll have all eyes across those games. A few days to go for that. So let us know your quarterfinal predictions listening. Use the hashtag OffsideWC and the handle as well, at OffsideRulePod. Oh, thank you very much to Tash Dowie and to Jade Moore as well. It's great to have you both linking back up again and friends reunited. Well, enjoy the rest days, everyone, and we will speak again on Friday. Reading and raring to go. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.